Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. God's law is good. The commandments are good. Through the commandments, God tells us which works are pleasing in his sight and which works are not. We aren't left guessing like the pagans of old whose so-called gods barely knew right from wrong themselves, nor are we left guessing like the pagans of our day who speak of ever-changing situational ethics and deny absolute right and wrong. That is at least until you cut in front of them at the grocery store. And God sets, uh, but there is an absolute. And that absolute is God who, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, the heavens and all the stars. God is the creator of the starry height. God who set the stars in their places, who set apart day from night, light apart from dark, is the one who also sets right apart from wrong. And God sets right apart from wrong because, well, he, he wants to give us what is right. God wants to give us his good, good gifts. But our sin often gets in the way, and we do wrong instead of right. But you see, there is an arrangement uh, of the commandments just as there is an arrangement of the stars. God writes them down on two tablets that we understand as as defined by their purpose. The first three commandments, or the first table, detail our relationship to God, uh, stemming from the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. And what does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things, which means keeping God's name holy and hearing God's holy word, by which God makes us holy. The second seven uh, commandments, or the second table, detail our relationship with other people. And the fourth commandment is the hinge, telling us that God has created order and has given authority on earth. The primary authority uh, is in the family, fathers. Through fathers and, and, fr and from the family, God exercises authority over all the earth, all over all society, whether that be in the church, through spiritual fathers, whose primary purpose is to, to teach God's word, preach God's word, keeping the third commandment, or in the, the civic realm through founding fathers and government leaders whose primary purpose is to protect life. The fifth commandment, you shall not kill, protects God's gift of life. So the fourth commandment guards life under the fifth commandment by which our neighbor's life is kept. And, and who is our neighbor other than all the bodies next to us? But God hasn't made us to be bodies by ourselves, alone, but together. He made us male and female, so that together, under the sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery, we may live together in marriage only and fulfill the fifth commandment, procreating and giving life. But to do that, we need stuff. We need a house and home and food and, and clothing and all that. And God knows that, so he gives us the seventh commandment, you shall not steal, to protect his gift of our stuff, so that we may keep the sixth commandment and the fifth commandment. 
And when we have stuff in a family, that means we have a reputation and we have a name. And so God gives the eighth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor in which God protects the gift of our names. And that mirrors the second commandment where God protects his name. And lastly, commandments 9 and 10 turn us back again to the first commandment, uh, fearing and trusting God because God has made us and still takes care of us. So that means we aren't to second-guess him and desire things that God hasn't given to us, which is what coveting is. The commandments are good. And if we kept all of them perfectly, we, well, our, our lives would be good and our world would be great. There's the problem. We can't. Abram, in our first lesson, had a problem too. Even though he lived about 400 years or 430 years before the commandments were given, he couldn't keep them either. In fact, Abram had no family. He was not a father. So God comes down to him and, and says, now look towards the sky and count the stars if you are able. Just as I have made those, I am going to bless you with a seed and give you the promised land. Now most of our English translations make this word plural, descendants. But the Hebrew word there is singular, seed. And both are true. God will bless Abraham by making him the spiritual father of an innumerable people. But God will bless them on account of Abraham's one seed, the future descendant, Jesus. And so God makes a covenant with Abraham, not any different than the covenant God will make with Moses on Mount Sinai. And because Abraham, Abraham or Abram, can't fulfill his end of the bargain or covenant and, and create something out of nothing, but only trust and have faith in what God provides, God actually puts Abram in a deep sleep. And God makes a covenant with himself. Abraham didn't do anything. He was asleep. God is, is, is clear. God is going to be the one to do this, not Abram. And God will. 400 years later, hundreds of thousands of Abraham's direct descendants are gathered at the base of Mount Sinai. And they hear God speaking all these words, the Ten Commandments, one by one. Now, when we speak commands, usually we use an imperative. Go jump off a bridge. Don't actually jump off a bridge. Both those were imperative. Um, but God doesn't here, at least in most of them. All but two of the commandments, God uses the future tense. He doesn't in the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day and... Uh, so that he can make us holy. He doesn't in the fourth commandment where he says, honor your father and mother so that you can actually live. But in all the other commandments, God uses a future tense. You shall, or thou shall, or thou shall not. In other words, you will do this. And God isn't just saying you shall or you shall not to, to just sound cool and sound biblical. Just as the creator of the stars has a purpose, had a purpose with the order of the words, so also he has a purpose in the actual words that he uses. When God says, you will do this in each of the commandments, uh, that means that not only did the commandments have to be obeyed, 
for the covenant to be in force for each one of them individually, but also that the commandments had to be obeyed or else God, who swore to Abraham by himself that the covenant would be fulfilled, would be proven a liar. Consider this. A father speaks to a naughty son. Billy, sit still and be quiet. After a little while, Billy is again fussing in his chair and, and talking out of turn. So the father uses, uh, again, uses it as an imperative, uh, but with a, a raised voice, Billy, sit still and be quiet. Again, after a short time, Billy is twisting and turning. Uh, what's actually been proven? Well, nothing other than Billy's naughty and disobedient. But let's say the father, to emphasize the seriousness of the situation to Billy and the peril he is now facing, switches to a future tense. Billy, you will sit still and you will be quiet. When naughty Billy continues his naughtiness, what's been proven now? Well, Billy is a naughty and disobedient son, sure, but also that his father is now a liar because Billy did not sit still and did not be quiet. Now, we might miss the significance of the father's grammatical change in our day, but it's to be doubted that God's use of thou shall or thou shalt not would have been missed by those standing at the base of Mount Sinai, whose firstborn sons had all been spared at the Passover, the Passover of the firstborn, even as the firstborn of Egypt, all died just 50 days before they heard these words. Each commandment must be obeyed or else the covenant is negated. And God, the God who swore to Abraham by himself, is shown to be a liar. If the weight of God's demands lie down upon you, your conscience condemns you and you cry out as the people did at the base of the mountain. But, if you hear what Moses is saying, see that he is pointing you towards the promise given to Abraham. And then your conscience is quieted because you know that a son of Abraham will someday appear. And that, that son of Abraham will keep every commandment always and continuously, and he will keep it for you. God will not be shown a liar because his seed promised to Abraham will do it. When God is, is talking at Mount Sinai to Abraham's seed, plural, and says, you will do it, his seed, singular, will do it. The advent of the Son of God is the advent of God who becomes man a seed of a woman, in order to come under the law and obey it. God gave Abraham a promise, a promise of an inheritance for all generations, a promise of a promised land. The law does not invalidate that promise. Rather, the law, as St. Paul says, is our chaperone until Christ, so that we might be justified by faith. Like Abraham and, and like all of his descendants at Mount Sinai, we also gain the inheritance of the promised land of heaven, not by law, but by promise. 
And so rather than seeing the law as something that's, that's inconvenient, something that's going to arrest us and haul us off to court and sentence us to death, we see the law as God originally intended it, as instruction for his people, as a revelation of, of what is pleasing in his sight, as a protection of his good gifts and the means by which we are made righteous. Because Christ has fulfilled the law, we are justified by faith, just as Abraham was, and we are no longer slaves to the law. In fact, because of Christ, we can even be glad that God shows to us our sin through the law. In Christ, we've come to know God as our Father, who does all things for our good, including turning away from us those things that are displeasing to him and, and harmful to us. The testament God gave to Abraham and the covenant God gave to Moses and Israel at Mount Sinai are one and the same. Parts of the same promised salvation of our gracious God. God's law is good. For we know that the giver of it, the one who created the starry height, is the Redeemer of us all. In Jesus' name, amen.